Hey everyone, we're here on Radically Normal today with John Elmore, the author of a new book, Freedom Starts Today, Overcoming Struggles and Addictions One Day at a Time. Uh, he's, the, he's a pastor and a leader of community at Watermark Community Church uh, in Dallas, and he, he also runs a program called Regeneration. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Michael, Andre, great to be with you guys here on Radically Normal. Thanks for the invitation. Sweet. And, uh, you know, Pastor John recently did an interview on uh, Becoming Something, the podcast that uh, Nate Hogenkamp, who we also interviewed, um, is on. And we were really touched by that and we wanted him to come on. Uh, but could you uh, take a few seconds to introduce yourself a little bit further um, from what Michael said? Uh, maybe give us a little bit about your testimony and, and your ministry down in Dallas. Sure. So, I mean, with my track record and what's on my resume, I've never thought in a million years I'd be ever in a church, let alone working for a church. So right now my title, it's changed, Michael. I've got to update my bio. I'm Senior Director of Pastoral Care and then Director of Regeneration. And uh, I would say 15 years ago, I had a loaded shotgun to my head. I put a 12 gauge to my head because I had had three doctors tell me that if I kept drinking the way that I was, I was going to die. Um, the girl that I with was sleeping with another guy. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to kill my, he was my friend. I'm going to kill him and then I'm going to kill myself. There was weed, pills in the mix. Uh, I had a career in advertising and sales. I was chasing money, status, had the cars, the house, the lake property down in Austin, Texas. And I had, I had what, I mean, everything I thought the world could give you. The, the, the great looking girl, the BMW, the Land Rover, the, all of it. And yet I had this emptiness and ache in my soul. And so when things crumbled and, you know, my addiction started to catch up with me physically, my relationships falling apart. I felt like a dog chasing my tail. Like, is this, is this all I'm going to do for the next 50 years is wake up, go to work, work hard, come home, get drunk, go to sleep, wake up, get, you know, just like a dog chasing my tail. It's like, forget it. I'm out. I don't want to do that the next 50 years. And so I, I really came undone. I had a, I had a youth group leader when I was a kid tell me that sin leads to death. And I was like, that's ridiculous. No, it doesn't. No one dies because they get drunk or sleeps with their girlfriend or gets high. That's a scare tactic by a youth pastor. And then there I was at the age of 30, gun to my head, dying of alcoholism. And man, it's like the, the truth of Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Uh, I tested that experiment and I was on the losing end. But didn't stop there. I don't know. I, I can take a breath and let you, if you guys want to take it a direction, but um, it says in Psalm 103 that the Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve. And so following a family intervention, going to an AA meeting, and I was asked a question that night that like changed the trajectory of my life is really um, is the essence of this book that I've written because I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people find freedom from their addiction and struggles um, through this daily practice. So here I am 15 years sober and, and that's like joyfully sober, not begrudgingly and um, oversee this recovery ministry in Dallas, Texas. 1,200 people come every Monday night. Uh, this past Monday, I was confessing some stuff from the stage from my past and uh, I mean, just like all of a sudden people just are sharing things that they're dealing with, their secret struggles and finding healing. It's what Jesus does. He sets people free. That's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, so your book, your book subtitled uh, Getting Over These Things or Overcoming Struggles and Addictions One Day at a Time. And I'm actually reminded because our my the church I'm at in Norman is releasing a Bible reading plan soon. 
And uh, a friend asked me if he could do all of the reading for one week in a, in a day and just knock it out. But why is, why is going one day at a time so important when you're doing this or you're just walking faithfully with Jesus? Yeah, ask your friend if he can just eat all that he needs to eat for the week, if he can get all those calories in Sunday night and then never eat again for the rest of the week. I mean, he'd be, he'd be really hungry come uh, probably Monday, let alone next Friday or Saturday. He'd be, he'd be starving. And the other thing is, anytime he got around a bowl of Skittles, M&Ms, Coke machine, whatever, he would be so desperate to eat whatever junk that is. I mean, probably would eat like, you know, some old cheeseburger you found on a park bench because he would be so hungry. And it's the same thing. Like we, the Lord, Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. And I think that that's, it's true physically, like the Lord meets our needs, but it's true spiritually as well. Um, Jesus gives us daily bread enough for today to sustain our souls. And he doesn't give us weekly bread or monthly bread or annual bread, because I know if he did, at least if he did for me, if he gave me annual bread or lifetime bread, I don't think I'd, he'd ever hear from me ever again in my life. I would just like be like, cool, I got what I need. I don't need you anymore. I think he has wired this, that we are in daily desperation. And so it says in uh, John 17, 17, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. And that's this daily feeding upon the word that results in a transformation of us, which is Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then, so that's the word. There's also the spirit that we need daily. And so great theologian, John Owen from the 1600s, he said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Make it your daily work. Cease not a day from it. And what he's saying is, is this reality that the daily default setting of me, of us, is the flesh, meaning all the desires that are within me. And everybody's got a different bag of desires. Like, you know, never look down on somebody and be like, I can't believe you're interested in that or into that. Why would you ever give into that? Like John Owen also says the seed of every sin lives within me. Like I'm capable of everything. And so because my flesh is alive and well every day and Galatians five says it wars against the spirit. Then the answer is I've got to keep the flesh at bay. Now I don't have to tell you that, that we don't have the power for that. I have no power to stop sin. Sin is a supernatural problem that demands a supernatural answer, and I can't get it under control. If I could, then I don't need Jesus. I don't need, I don't need the Christian life. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't need the Bible. I just need like life hacks and white knuckle it, and I'll just quit, like set your mind to it. But the truth of the matter is um, people, people set their New Year's resolutions, and 92% of them fail by February. And the reason why is because will's power is not is willpower is not great enough for sin's power, but God's power is. And so you've got the word, you've also got the spirit in Galatians 5:16, it says, walk by the spirit. And in the Greek, it is an ongoing, continuous, present tense verb, meaning all day, every day. Just walk with me. That's the command. And then the resulting promise says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, you got the word. You got the spirit and you can think like, okay, cool. Me and Jesus. I don't need church. I don't need my Christian friends. I don't need brothers and sisters. I don't need fellowship. I don't need to go to a Bible study. It's just me and Jesus, right? Because the word and the spirit. But um, there's another reality, a third one that we can unpack if you'd like. Um, most often what people call accountability. And, and that is crucial because there is, the Bible knows nothing of Jesus and a believer just walking through life in isolation.
That's really good. So yes, yeah, suppressing so in a little bit into what you said about accountability. So in accountability, um, how can we still show compassion for, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, even our friends and family um, who are potentially, you know, uh, dealing with, with sins who we, we can see to be destructive, but, you know, they might be seeking accountability, but, you know, we still want to be compassionate for them. How does, how does that whole relationship uh, play out? Uh, would you say? Yeah, it's great, Andre. It's so important. I think first we have to define accountability. So we have this, uh, I'd say we have a Western theological mess where when we say accountability, what we mean is, hey, I'm going to meet with you like once a week or every other week. Mm. And, and when I sin, not when I sin, if my sin gets big enough that I can't control it anymore, I'm going to let you know. But I'm probably going to let you know through some Christianese. I'm probably going to say, man, I really struggled this week. Or I've really been, re- I've really been wrestling with X, Y, or Z, rather than saying specifically what it is. Like when I go see my dermatologist, I've got fair skin, man. I'm covered in freckles. I'm like a skin cancer's dream. And when I go see my dermatologist, you know what she says? She walks in. There's some pleasantries. How you been? How are the kids? And then she's like, all right. She hands me a paper towel. And she says, all right, get undressed. And I know what she means. It's like, reveal everything, get undressed. And the little paper towel is frankly just a technicality to put over, you know, my private parts. It's like, because she's going to check everything. And, and let me tell you, it's hard. Uh, she's this like 65 year old Jewish lady, but she's really good at her job. So I see her, she's really thorough, but it's, it's also humbling. It's very humbling. And God says in his word, he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the reason why I say that dermatologist example is because accountability, like if you're going to do it, I'm guessing the reason anybody's going to do accountability is because they want to become holy. They want to become like, like Christ. They want to be shaped in the image of Christ. They, they want to war against their sin. Well, how stupid would it be to try to war against your sin without revealing your sin? I mean, it's just like, man, let's just call it a, a dinner club or a book club. Cause we're not warring against sin. We're just coming together and talking about struggles and wrestlings versus actually revealing. And so you got to get naked in front of each other and show the ugly parts. Like, man, there's this place. And, and in that, what I say is there's no healing without revealing. And God, that's not my word. Like it says in James five sixteen, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And so if you want to be forgiven, you confess to God. That's first John one, nine. If you, we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse from all unrighteousness. If you want to be healed, that's different. God says forgiven, confess to me vertical. If you want to be healed different, confess to Michael and Andre, whoever my community guys, my, my accountability guys are. And that's where healing comes. But he says it comes through confessing sin, not through saying I was tempted or I'm wrestling or I'm struggling, but saying, Hey, I got on this website. I spent two and a half hours on it. I masturbated. I didn't tell anybody. Then I did it again the next day, three times before school, after school, and at night when I couldn't sleep. Then I went over to my girlfriend's house. I spent the night with her. I mean, just like being open and honest. And then our role as the one receiving the confession, this is crazy. It's so right there in the scriptures, but we like, like our knee jerk is, is, hey, man, you said you weren't going to do that anymore. You said you were going to put covenant eyes on your computer. You said you weren't going to have your phone in your room after hours. What We just go into like do mode. Well, the scripture says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know what my response should be? One of two things. My response should either be, 
to pray right then and there for the person that confessed or to confess my sin and be like, man, thank you so much for being honest. Let me now tell you what I've done this week and then let's pray for each other. Then after that, because what you've done, you've gotten naked in front of each other. Like, man, here I am. Like, this is all the, the filth, the sin. I know that it's sin. It's why I confessed it. I'm naked before you. And what the scripture instructs us to do is to take this blanket of grace and just wrap that person up with prayer and also with your own confession. And when you confess uh, reciprocally, what that does is it levels the playing field so that I'm not the Pharisee, like in Luke 18, being like, God, thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. You know, I tithe, I do this, I do that. And it says the tax collector is the one who went home justified, not the Pharisee. He was the one that was right with God because he beat his chest and was like, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so that like keeps me from becoming a Pharisee. And it's like, dude, I've got sin too. You want me to pray first or confess first? Because I'm just like you. And we wrap each other up in grace. Now, some people listening will probably be like, that's ridiculous. We've got to counsel biblically. Yes, we do counsel biblically. But we do it after we have met them with grace and love and prayer. Because it's a sin of omission. If someone confesses sin and you don't either confess or pray for them, then you, the one who heard the confession, are in sin. Meaning what James says earlier, he says, if you know, this, if you know the good you ought to do and you do not do it, for you, it is sin. So if you know that when someone confesses sin, they looked at porn and masturbated, let's just say that because it's like 95% among, among college students, uh, and that's women too. Uh, if I don't, then I'm actually the one in sin right there in that accountability meeting if I don't meet them with another confession or with prayer. Now, after that, there should be biblical counsel. That's 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, you know, all scriptures God breathes so that the man of God may be trained in teaching, rebuking, correcting righteousness, so that you may be equipped for every good work. Like the word is there to instruct, but it's not there um, to just like beat people down with guilt and shame and condemnation, but rather to like love them and whatnot. Um, I've got so much to say. So there, there are times if someone comes to me and they confess, let's just say, let's just say porn and masturbation, very common struggle, or, or sleeping with their girlfriend or getting high or getting drunk, and they claim to be a Christian. If, if they're not a Christian, they don't need, they, they have no way out of sin. What they need is Jesus. They don't, hear me say, they need Christ. Now, if they're a Christian, after so many times of confession without repentance, I'm going to say, hey, look, I don't think you actually hate this sin. I think you actually just think you need to confess it to me because it's sin, but I see no repentance. And the Bible knows nothing about confession without repentance. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever uh, conceals his sin, going back to there's no healing without revealing. It says, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper. You won't advance. You won't progress. But whoever confesses and renounces, there's confession with repentance, will find mercy. Um, I want to talk more about accountability because there's something really important, but you guys probably have more questions. I've been talking too long. Let me let me let you guys respond. <laughs> no, no, that was that was really, really good. Um, and kind of maybe a follow-up question to kind of lead uh, this uh, specific topic on a little bit more. Um, you said that uh, there was a, a question that someone had asked you about um, that, you know, that had really changed your course when it comes to sobriety. Um, and, you know, in hearing that and hearing some of the other examples of, of, of sin and accountability that, that you've given, I think a lot of college students might be thinking, 
um, especially a lot of Christian college students might be thinking, um, I think even people who, uh, like myself, like Michael, or maybe even you and your our age might be thinking like, you know, my sin's not that bad. I don't need to do this whole uh, 24-hour accountability thing. Uh, that, that's not really for me. I'm not that far gone yet. What would you say to that person? And, and, and maybe give a little bit about that, that story of that question you got. Yeah, Andre, that's super insightful. I would say um, my sin in college looked like your sin in college. And James says that here's the progression. He says, your sinful desires lead to sin. And when they conceive, give birth to death. It's desire, sin, death, desire, sin, death. And if that's not checked and stopped by the spirit, you have no power over sin. If it's not stopped by the spirit, you will, it'll just progress in whatever way. It may not mean that you're going to be an alcoholic with a gun to your head. It might mean that you're married when you're 30 with a pregnant wife and you're a porn addict or that you're a materialistic workaholic or that you're going to strip clubs and hookup apps every time you travel for business because you think, uh, you know, I'm away from my church and my community and I'm traveling and nobody knows me in this town, uh, whatever it may be. You may just become a Pharisee, like a self-righteous jerk, which happens so much um, by people following the rules. It just, that's the progression of sin. And you can't life hack your way out of it. You can't think there's no category in the scriptures that's, that's like, oh, my sin is not that bad. I mean, the apostle Paul, Paul, like, oh my goodness, Paul, not college student Paul, like the apostle Paul writes Romans and right there in the middle of Romans drops in Romans seven. Why do I do that? Which I do not do the evil that I do not want to do this. I do the good that I don't want to do this. I do not do who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is also the one that wrote by the spirit, Galatians 5, 16, walk by the spirit. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh who also wrote Romans 13, 14, which says, clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, no provision for the flesh. And so if you think if someone's sitting there listening and they're like, man, I, don't, I, I actually don't struggle with porn and masturbation. I don't, I don't go to strip clubs. I don't sleep with my girlfriend. I've never gotten on a hookup app then I think Jesus would ask you, do you, do you look lustfully upon a woman or a man, which is a guy and girl struggle again? Like I think we always like pin the tail on the donkey of the guys, girls struggle with lust just as much. Uh, and so the, the, the closer you get to God, we should see the holiness of God and the sinfulness of ourselves. And so to minimize sin is like, man, that's the beginning of the end. I, I'll confess to my community group, um, now, and I did last weekend, a lustful look at a girl and they might be like, well, did, did you, did something happen? Like, did that, did that go someplace? Did you like look at things on Instagram or whatever? I'm like, no, but I, I mean, I know it's, it's evil. It's adulterous. Look lustfully at this girl. Like I, I know exactly when it was and double take lingering glance. Like it's, it's, and I'll confess that I'll confess to them. If I binge on cereal, like, like if I miss dinner cause of work and then I'm up, up late and I eat three, three or four bowls of cereal, I'll confess that. And people, people are like, wait, really? You're confessing cereal? Because the same indulgence on, on overeating is the same indulgence that I would have for uh, abusing alcohol. I'm just looking for comfort in the created, the created rather than the creator. And so anytime you start to dismiss that, it's the beginning of the end and you've already started that landslide of uh, desire, sin, death. And once, once you've begun that, your heart has already started hardening. And so the next time sin happens, because you didn't turn from it or renounce it or confess it 
or war against it, your heart has already started to harden. And then the next temptation that comes, it's just going to be that much worse. Let's, let's talk about this. It says in um, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. So not just on Sunday, not just at your Wednesday night gathering or Bible study, every single day. Encourage one another daily, seven days, so that you will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So every single day, you're going to be deceived by sin unless you're, you're having this mutual encouragement by another Christian brother or sister. And so going back to accountability, we think of accountability like, I'm going to meet with you, and I'm going to give you a catalog of my past week's sin. Well, that, that's kind of good. It is confession of sin, which is right. But it's after the fact. Like, you've already sinned for the entire week. And now you're coming together and being like, hey, here's, here's, a, here's what I did on Monday and Tuesday. Ah, oh, and there's that time on Wednesday. And it's just like the damage is done. So what if you went on the offensive? That's defensive. I'm going to come and, and bring kind of my, my rap sheet from the week. What if we go on the offensive and you pick a sin, whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever's kind of owning you, and you say, hey, I'm going I'm to go, I'm going to go to war on this with you, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, with God and by daily abiding. And I'm going to proactively commit, not reactively confess. I'm going to proactively commit for the next 24 hours. This was the question going back to it, Andre. Here's what was I was asked. I couldn't fathom a life without alcohol. And this guy was like, well, you, can you stay sober? We commit to staying sober by God's strength for the next 24 hours. And I was like, dude, I can do that. I, I can't fathom quitting for the rest of my life. But for the next 24 hours by God's strength, yeah, I can do that but I thought it was stupid. It was so simple. I thought it was stupid. Cause I was like, I don't need 24 hours, Charlie. I, I, I can go a week. What I need is a lifetime of change. And what, what, what God was teaching me through that question is no, you're going to do this daily. You're going to be set free. A lifetime of freedom comes through daily freedom. And so 24 hours, I followed up with him the next day. He's like, do you stay sober? I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, by God's strength. I'm like, I don't know. He's like, do you pray? I was like, yeah, I prayed. It's like, great. And it was God. God's the one that helped you. Do you want to go another 24 hours? And I thought it was stupid again. I'm like, I need lifetime help. And he's like, forget that. You want to go 24 hours? We go another day. And one day became two, became a week, became a month. And here I am 15 years sober from alcoholism. Now I, I haven't called Charlie every, every day for the last 15 sure. years. I did it for like three months. And after three months, dude, I wasn't even thinking about alcohol. Like God had captured my heart and I had gotten out of my heart the desire for that false peace because I had true peace in Jesus. That's awesome. That's incredible. You know, and as you uh, know, in Galatians three, it talks about how or Paul asked them, like, since having begun by the, the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? So if people are trying to walk in freedom, like you were talking about with God's strength, how do we, how do we ensure that we're walking by the spirit strength and not by our own. Like we can try to muster up enough willpower to do it as you were talking about earlier, but in the long term, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. So how do we ensure that we get to that place? Yep. That's good, Michael. I think so many people are, are in that trap. They, they hate their sin. They know that it's sin. Um, and they've even pled with God through tears, like take this away. And yet he hasn't in some cases. And so they're like, I, I don't know what that is. Like, God, you either don't care. You're not powerful enough maybe I don't have enough faith, which is really damaging to someone in their own walk, but, but what is it? And I think that it's like, it's not a once and for all walk the aisle, go to a revival, be at some conference and, and confess your sin to a thousand people and then expect it to go away. It is this daily abiding thing. And so the question is, 
if, if it's like by the flesh or by the spirit, it goes on in that passage. It says, do you think you will now be perfected by the flesh? And what he means when he was speaking to the Galatians, the Galatians were famous, infamous for saying, we'll trust Jesus for our salvation or justification, but we're not going to trust him for our sanctification. We're going to follow a bunch of rules. Like that's what we're going to do. We're going to follow the old Testament rules, even though we trust Jesus for our salvation. And Paul's like, it doesn't work that way. The, the law could never make you holy. The law reveals the holiness of God. It, it's like a chalk line on a football field so that you know when you've stepped out of bounds. But that chalk line has no ability to keep you in bounds. It just doesn't. It's just an indicator. And so anytime you find yourself um, with like a rule-based mentality, you're in the flesh. Uh, anytime you're like beating yourself up uh, you're in the flesh versus like God, that's worldly sorrow. That's, that's what Judas did. Judas beat himself up because he couldn't believe that he did what he did. Godly sorrow is like, oh, I've grieved the heart of the Lord. And one, godly sorrow moves you towards God, throws yourself at the mercies that are new every day in the grace of Jesus Christ. Worldly sorrow, you're, you're so disappointed in yourself and you like retract from God and the people of God. So there's, there's a litmus test. Like when I sin, am I moving towards the people of God, the presence of God, or do I just beat myself up and think like, God, man, I knew better. I should have done better. I confessed um, this past Monday night, I was standing on stage and I was kind of just, we were talking about confession and the importance that it is and how there's healing from it. And I said, you know, I've, I've been to strip clubs. I've even made out with a prostitute once. And a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, Hey, I've, I've done what you said. And I was like, I had listed a lot. And so I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, uh, strip clubs. I was like, okay, man, thank you so much for confessing. And she's like, yeah, but, but like, I'm the stripper. And I was like, thank you for, for your honesty and humility. I know that that's hard. I said, Hey, you got to get out of that because if you don't, it's going to lead to more, you know? And the guys are going to want lap dances and then they're going to want, they're going to want to take you home and they're going to offer you more money. It's going to be really tempting. And she was like, that's already happened. It has happened. And I was like, what has? And she's like the P word. And I was like prostitution. She said, yes. I said, Hey, just say it. Like there's no condemnation. You're free here. And so, and, and here was her response as tears are flowing down her eyes. And I was, I was like, do you hear me? Like, we love you. Thank God you're confessing it. Like you're going to be free. Never go back. And um, Jesus forgives you because she was a believer. And she said, that's why I'm crying. I know better. And I stopped her and I said, all 1,000 people here tonight know better. That's why we're here. We all know better. It's, it's not a knowledge problem. Only God can do this for us. And so you, this is this beautiful moment of like, yes, of course we know better. But that's, I mean, God knows we know better. He's the one that has the power. And so how do you know it's not a wrestle against, here's what I tell people, rules don't get people well, the redeemer does. So you need to be checking your life, like what does my life look like? Am I walking with my redeemer? And that should look, look like worship. And I mean worship music, I mean worship like out in creation, I mean worship like re reading systematic theology that I see behind your shoulder. I mean, worship like, uh, you know, going for a run, like whatever stirs your affections for the Lord, that's worship. Like Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it under the glory of God. And so some people are like, man, I really like when I paint or draw, 
I come alive. Like I, I feel the joy of the Lord when I run, when I, when I cook a meal for other people, when I, when I put out chairs at our college gathering, whatever it is, like do that and do it to the glory of God. Um, spend time in the word. As I said, John 17, 17, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Spend time with other believers. Um, all those things. Here's the other, another phrase. Only the full resist the pull. And what I mean by that is we have this hunger. We have a daily hunger. And we're going to feast on the created or the creator. And so you've got to be filled up or full on the things of God. And when you are, like I, I, I haven't eaten breakfast. And so I guarantee you, if there's some like huge queso burrito, you know, with fried chicken or whatever, even if it's a day old, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat the trash because I'm not filled up on the good things that maybe my, my wife would have had for me this morning. And so only the full resist the full. The answer is you feast on the things of God, and then you will be able to reject and say no to the trash of this world. That's really good. And, you know, you know, as we wrap up, you know, one thing we've been, uh, you know, Michael and I have been talking about a lot uh, these past couple of months as we prepared for this this coming season that, that we're in now has just really been about, uh, you know, discipleship and, and knowing, um, you know, the scriptures, having a good theology, something that we've been, you know, walking through together. And and I can see how, how passionate you are about that, especially with how many you know, script references you've been given, you've been giving um, during this interview. But, um, you know, I just want to say that I'm super, um, you know, thankful for, for all those examples you gave, but for people who are listening, uh, who, you know, you've, you've given the examples of, of prayer, you know, worship, uh, spending time in, in God's word, but just very quickly, uh, before we wrap up, uh, how can we ensure that our time in scripture, regardless of the passage is strengthening, strengthening, um, us in faith. It's good, Andre. Cause people look, the Pharisees have the scriptures on lock. I mean, they, they knew them, they memorized them. And yet they were dead inside and they were enemies of God, sons of hell is what Jesus called them, brood of vipers, open graves. So uh, an atheist can read the scriptures a lot and still hate and reject God and we can become Pharisees. So here's one thing that Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. He read for depth and not for breadth. And what he did, he started a secret seminary uh, in Hitler's Nazi fascist Germany in World War II. He started a secret seminary because they were shutting down the church. And in the secret seminary, he had them wake up and they couldn't speak a word to somebody. Uh, it's kind of impossible with me being married with kids, but they couldn't speak a word to someone until they sat in the scriptures. And here's what they did. Again, they didn't read for breath. It wasn't like, um, hey, man, I got to read three chapters a day. I got to memorize whatever. What they did was they would pray, Lord, show yourself to me like I want to know you. And then they would read until something just like got their attention in a new way. This happened to me in, in, in Isaiah in the later chapters. I think it's like Isaiah 60. Um, I was reading, and it's talking about Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, there's this verse, and it says, um, I have set watchmen over Jerusalem that they would pray for it. Give the Lord no rest until he answers you. And man, the like, give the Lord no rest was like, boom. Like, John, do that pray and pray and pray until you see the kingdom come, you know, like don't give him no rest. Not like, dear God, heal my son from eczema. Cause he's got this terrible skin condition that he battles with. And then, and then just like walk away, but instead like give him no rest. I, it was instructive to me, like pray like that. And so that's what I would say is just like read 
until the spirit just like brings something to the forefront. And when he does, don't keep reading. Dietrich would say, and when the spirit brings something, like go deep there, look at every word, give him no rest. So give, like, this is something I'm giving to God. Like, what, what do I give to God? He's like this, this, like, basically the widow to the unrighteous judge. Like, I'm going to keep knocking, God. That's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm not going anywhere. I know you hear me. I'm your adopted son. I'm indwelt by the spirit. That's what I'm going to give you. No rest. Like, it's not some rest. It's no rest. It's absolute. Um, give him. Who is him? Him is the father. Like, he's the one, the giver of all good gifts. Uh, so that's like how he instructed. So that's what I would say. The last thing I want to say, Andre and Michael, and I'll make it quick because I, I, I could hear people. I can just imagine people on the other end of the line being like, God, you guys covered so much. I've got this struggle. I can't shake it. And really, you're telling me just like read the Bible and pray. I'm already reading the Bible and praying. That's not helpful. Like, don't miss this. Instead of a reactive confession, and that's good, go proactive commitment. Like right now, text someone as you're listening. You thousands of people who are listening to Radically Normal, be radical in this. Pick up your phone and text someone or hit pause on this. Well, I guess you got to hear what I'm going to say, but text someone and say, I struggle with porn and masturbation. I'm committing to you by God's strength that I will not look at porn or touch myself for the next 24 hours. I'm setting an alarm on my phone. I'm going to get in touch with you tomorrow, this time tomorrow, and I'm going to let you know how I did. And then go get on your knees and plead with God, not, not by many words, but by intentional words. God, keep me from porn and masturbation for the next 24 hours. And then like cut off access, whatever you need to do, and then walk by faith. Ask that person to pray for you. And then 24 hours when your alarm goes off, you get back in touch with that person. And, and if, you, if you fail, then fail forward. It says in Proverbs, the righteous fall seven times and rise again. Like this is about daily repentance, not about being perfect for the rest of your life, but to make a proactive decision. I'm following Jesus. You've got to decide. This is the proactive accountability instead of reactive. Like if you don't put that in, into practice, like just expect more of the same. That's incredible. That's that's awesome. And I know uh, after that, that's just so uh, convicting. And I can't wait to jump in uh, to your book and begin this 90 day journey. Just real quick as we wrap up something we ask every guest. Uh, I have a cup of coffee right here. But do you have uh, a favorite uh, coffee drink uh, or anything preferred in that in that area? Man, if it is uh, dark and has caffeine and I can choke it down. That's my favorite coffee drink. <laughs> I've got three small kids. I need anything to, to help me stay awake. They wake us up all through the night, man. It's like fraternity hazing. Just like bust into the room crying with crazy scenarios. So, uh, man, anything black that has caffeine, I'm all in. Awesome. And just lastly, in the last few months, who would you say is the Christian that's influenced you the most? Oh, man. That prostitute on Monday night. You know, to walk up, to walk up to a pastor in a church and say, I'm a stripper and I've started prostituting myself. I mean, dude, like God says, he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That girl, I told her, I was like, I'm like, you're going to be a leader in a year. Like in this church, you'll be a leader and a discipler. Like that's Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus became the bishop of Caesarea. Like that's what church history says. And so it's those people. 
it, it's not the famous preacher on the stage. It's the broken person that comes forward and, and just bears all. That's the one that I'm like, dude, you get it. You get it. God is going to do something crazy in your life. It's what he lives to do. So I tell your name because I know her name, but uh, it, it's not even that. That's not what's important. Um, but that's you'll, awesome. you'll hear about her again someday. God's hands on. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't even need to tell people again because I'm sure they all want to go get it now. But everybody should should get Freedom Starts Today and begin their own 90 day uh, journey to to freedom. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I'm so proud of you all. And yeah, it's complex. Maybe you're, it's, it's long-winded what I've shared, but that book unpacks it. It gives you those 90-day tracks to run on in case you're like, wait, what did he say to do? Uh, it's all right there. And um, yeah, let me, let me sit. You guys send me your address. I'm going to send you uh, two free copies, one for a guy and a girl, whoever reach out from Radically Normal uh, as a gift for somebody who really needs that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Michael and Andre. God bless y'all. You too. Thank you. Yeah.